Hello, friends and neighbors. I'm Forrest Cochran, and this is Straightening the Record. Um, I've been away for a couple months, not literally away from home, but away from making podcasts. Um, had a couple of kind of life changes and also just like a really, really busy couple of months. It's, it's really blown by, and uh, I'm glad that I sort of foresaw that and decided to just take a couple months off but we are going to shoot for having 10 total episodes this year uh so no more skipping the rest of the year you can hold me to it you can give me shit if you see me out in the world and uh in december we aren't on number 10 um my guest this time around is huxley maxwell you may know Huxley from uh, their solo project, bands like Person Whale, Gold Blooms, Pleasance, Heavy Gratitude, or their most recent project, Justice Fetish. And there is one band uh, that we didn't touch on in the interview, but they wanted me to uh, mention it as well. Uh, Cat Bones is the newest, well, maybe not the newest, it may have started before Justice Fetish, but there's no music out yet, but um, I'm assured that it's something to look out for, so um, definitely check out, be on the lookout, you know, to, to, to see stuff happening with Cat Bones this year as well. Um, we had a really wonderful conversation, one of my favorites ever on this podcast. A lot of fun conversation about inclusivity and, um, you know, the value as an artist of being yourself and not ascribing too much to established tropes and stuff like that, um, which kind of led into a discussion or maybe came from a discussion about punk. I don't exactly remember how it happened, but, um, <laughs> we ended up talking a lot about what is or isn't punk and, uh, maybe too much, but, but we kept a lot of it in there. Um, we talk a lot about their various bands, especially talked a lot about justice fetish, partially because it is one of the newest um, and most exciting things out there. And actually, as of the recording of this intro, uh, Justice Fetish is now booked to uh, play with Negative Approach in a couple months at Lefties. So that's that's a pretty exciting thing, you know, to have a band that has played a couple of house shows and then gets booked with Negative Approach. Um, uh, Closet Witch is also on that show So I literally have never listened to Negative Approach But I'm definitely going to that um, And I'm going to fix the fact That I've never listened to Negative Approach as well Because um, Why not Gotta branch out um, Among the various things That we uh, talk about In this episode One of them is also um, Huxley's passed with uh, opioid addiction, um, which, of course, as many people know, opioid addiction uh, doesn't stay in the past. It's 
still sort of something that they struggle with, and we talk about that. Um, so if for some reason addiction is kind of a trigger for you, sorry about that. This is your content warning. Um, when you hear them say it, you can fast forward maybe a couple of minutes. Otherwise, just lots of talk about music and art and everything that we could think of to talk about uh, in relation to that without making it way too long. Um, speaking of way too long, this intro is getting pretty long. So um, before we get into the uh, the first song and the interview, just wanted to say thank you for listening. If you're a new listener, I hope you enjoy and I hope you go and check out some other episodes from the back catalog here. Um, if you're not a new listener, if you've been listening for a long time, thanks for coming back. And um, either way, there's a pretty good chance you're not a subscriber to my Patreon, so I would really, really appreciate it if you went and got in on that. You get early um, previews of, of these episodes. Basically, the moment I get done with the first edit of one of these episodes. I put it on my Patreon page. There's also uh, songs that I'm working on, whether those be uh, my own or if they are uh, people that I'm producing as I've started um, producing other artists a little bit out of my home studio setup, which is a bit modest, but I think it gets the job done. And I think we've uh, we've had some really good stuff on the Patreon these last uh, few months that I've had it. The lowest tier for monthly payment on that is just $2, so super manageable. Costs less than, you know, people love to do the uh, metric of how many cups of coffee. Well, it costs less than one cup of coffee most places, you know. None of that, not not cheaper than than, you know, gas station coffee, but that doesn't count. So anyway, would love if you would head over to patreon.com uh, slash Forrest Cochran. Check that out. And uh, without further ado, here is uh, Heating, which is an as yet unreleased song from the next Huxley Maxwell album. And then stick around all the way through the end of the interview you will also hear my favorite song from the Justice Fetish album, which is called Fast Hands. Thank you so much, and enjoy. Huxley Maxwell. Thank you. 
Like if it's somebody who's actually like the record was released in 1950 and they yeah. say I've got the blues today, like makes more sense because especially if it was a common yeah. phrase at that time and that's like where the but now it's just regurgitation yeah because like that's it's just like people upholding conventions because they don't know how to make their own shit right which i get i get fucking frustrated with that shit a lot in all sorts of matters like oh yeah way too many people holding on to conventions because that's how they know things are done right and then it's like I don't know, dude, like, fucking, there's so much shit out there that nobody's done, like, there's shit that each person can do that nobody else could do. Right. That's, like, very true to themselves. Why do you just gotta regurgitate these conventions? And, like, I can be guilty of that to a certain degree with, like, songwriting sometimes, because I draw from a lot of stuff, but I'm not gonna just, like, take somebody else's fucking words and be like, you know, in... If I'm writing a blues song, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say I got the blues. Like that's fucking that's no, that's dumb. That's, that's the last fuck. That's the last thing I'm putting in a blues song if no, I write a blues song. No, um, no, I'm just gonna fucking I, talk I, about how like I got piss on my shoes or something. Like right, I don't know. right. I don't got the blues. I got piss on my shoes. Yeah, that would be a fun, funny blues lyric. Actually, I it's in a, <laughs> it's in a new Goldblum song. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, it's a, a Goldblum song that I have about. Uh, the the struggles with uh, opioid addiction mm. that I have experienced in my life. Right. I haven't done opioids in long, long time. But That's good. It has a lasting hold on you. Yeah. So there's there's a pretty little Goldblum song called Poppy Seeds that'll be out at some point. I'm, I like I'm happy I like with that. It. I didn't know that you had. Uh, Struggled with opioid addiction, and I'm sorry to hear that, but yeah, was I, that in the Olympia times? No, it was actually pre-Olympia. It was actually probably closer to right after the period of time of that uh, Dirty Reggae Punk show. Hmm. You know, do you remember the band? I'm trying to remember how long ago that was. That was probably like 2014, 2015. Yeah. Do you remember that project that I was in, The Goons? Not very well. We, if at all, we released one live recording where we played at the last ever show at the Space for Ames, and uh, we fucking um, played a couple shows at the Muse. Uh, a lot of them were booked under the name Person Well, but the Goons actually played, mm. and then sometimes, like, I think the one time that we got booked under the name The Goons. We actually we actually ended up playing as a project called Kill the Rabbit, which if you look that up, there's no evidence of there ever being a project called Kill the Rabbit. But Kill the Rabbit played like three shows or mm -hmm. whatever. Like I think we opened up for Sediment Club, but it was booked under um, The Goons, but it was actually Kill the Rabbit. Uh, but around that period of time, actually right before that period of time, the band The Goons pretty much came out of like collective withdrawals oh, of all of the members because there was like i think summer of 2014 there was this weed that we were buying that like early on in the summer we found out that our dealer was getting supplied weed that was laced with black tar opium oh 
and we found that out and we were like oh fuck well that sounds pleasant to smoke yeah we were were like you want to know when you're smoking opium well yeah it was like for the first couple weeks we were like man this we called it mind eraser we were like man this weird weed's wild like fucking never smoked weed that hit us like this and then at some point like we got told like oh yeah this weed's laced with black tar opium and then we're like oh we should go get more of that weed. And then we just kept getting the weed until source dried up. And uh, so, yeah, there was like a good fucking like three or four months where I was just consistently smoking a cocktail of weed and opium. Mm-hmm. And then the withdrawals through that, that was like one of the fucking like. That would be sh- so mo- tough. It's like one of the most shadowy, like visually remembering that shit. I just remember like shadows and fucking dingy basements and fucking playing like uh, frustrated, like noisy garage rock shit with the goons and stuff. But fucking. Well, it's, that, it's interesting it that changed, you say that because. It, it changed me like to this day. Like I wouldn't be the person that I am right now if I hadn't had gone through the experience of having that opioid dependency. I think that like fundamentally changed some shit on like a chemical level in my being. And I'm, I don't have a problem with it. The problem is that like addiction like that doesn't go away. Right. And I'm always like, why, what do I need? And then I'm like, Oh, opium. Yeah. I want opium. Shit. God damn it. So hopefully cross my fingers. Hopefully I don't relapse at any point, but there's been like no opportunity for me to, and it's not like I'm going to be like, I got to figure out who has the fucking opium. Right. I take Kratom sometimes, but I've never, it's not like a chemical dependency forming thing. It's like kind of gives you a similar feeling. Yeah. Kratom is often used by people who are like trying to get off of like opium and heroin and shit like that. Yeah. I remember like randomly finding Kratom at my treehouse in one of the drawers and nobody knew whose it was. Interesting. Um, that was before Andrew and I were uh, doing Kratom. So like we didn't leave it there at that pleasant show. Uh, Though we should have been doing Kratom at that point in time Would have been fucking great <laughs> Don't take too much though You get queasy Yeah yeah. I, I always thought it You know it just looked like a weird word to me And so I didn't trust it I was oh, like yeah. it doesn't It doesn't. I don't, I don't want any part of this If I don't know what it's, it is I'm not smoking it Oh I we, You don't smoke it you just It's like in little capsules and you just, Oh you just eat it okay. You just drink it down with some water I see well, Usually what happens to me either, is... Either way, I, I generally don't ingest things if I don't know what they are. That's fair. And, like, there's no need to get into Kratom if you don't have, like, yeah a need for it. Andrew takes it these days because he doesn't drink anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it doesn't have that psychoactive property that weed can have sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, you know, mellows you out, takes the edge off and shit. And it also doesn't form, like, a chemical dependency. You can get, like, habitually dependent on it or whatever. Yeah, you can you can become dependent on pretty much anything. Exactly. But, but uh, thankfully, Andrew and I, fucking, neither of us are, like, craving on Kratom or anything. But I yeah. like taking it because... I think there should be a Goldblum song called Craven on Kratom now. Craven on Kratom. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, uh, that sounds like some crawling eye shit. Yeah. Uh, fucking, yeah, I just take it because, like... Uh, it soothes that 
that it's like kind of like an anxious nagging uh-huh. the the opioid addiction it's always kind of like they're like Ugh, and then i i take that and then all of that shit just washes away so that's nice and i think at this point like taking kratom like once or twice a week if that like has leveled me out on that kind of feeling where it used to be like a constant for years mm. like just taking small doses of kratom here and there just kind of chilling out it's made me a more comfortable person i used to be That's a good. lot more antsy and neurotic mm. but i fucking i could give a shit anymore <laughs> i think it's interesting that you said that this bout that you had with opium happened in 2014 or 2015 because when i was looking at the spotify's for huxley maxwell and that's when a lot of whale 2015 was an insane year for you Mm. you released like six albums or something in 2015 yeah fucking uh yeah that (laughs) like I, i remember being like okay i knew they were recording a lot i knew they were like you know because we we rehearsed across the hall from each other yeah and so i knew y'all were like productive for how much you partied hard working um and we fucking but yeah that's the thing i don't even know how it happened like that because we were also just like partying all the fucking time right but you were just always at the practice space that's why because i don't think i don't i don't think if you have like if you have a a means of recording yourself and you're always at your practice space even if you're fucked up all the time you're gonna make something yeah. happen you know and a lot of that i think interesting enough the only thing that was ever recorded at that practice space was one record last train out of dogtown okay is See, that the one that we had the gang vocal session for no that's the self-titled record okay okay yeah that's on this song um uh, i got the fear and, and the song bong rips yeah yeah um but uh fucking... well there was also uh hey mister oh hey mister too yeah that's yeah. right yeah, fucking, yeah, those three songs on that. So we did the gang vocals there. And actually, shit, did... No, we did record that, the rest of that, in that space, didn't we? I forgot about that. I thought we had done that in um, in my uh, parents' basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Last Train at Dogtown and Self Titled, those were the only two that were done there. And then the rest of them that came out in that period of time, I think all of those were just like me with my four track at home mm-hmm. i think barely anybody else was on any of the other 2015 stuff as far as i can remember i think because if you go on to band camp easiest way to tell is like on the personal band camp all of the stuff that has anybody more than me is person well right but all of the stuff that is just me, I retroactively went in, and those are Huxley renamed Ma- it Huxley, Huxley Maxwell. Maxwell. Yeah, exactly. So. I saw that, um, which I thought was awesome and made a lot of sense because there was a moment there where, like, I it's remember- kind of hard to tell what the fuck is person well. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. I remember thinking, like, I, I had conflicted feelings about it because, like, on the one hand, with like, um, well, for instance, with Anneli Barra. You kind of never know what you're going to see at an Annalie Barra show. No. But I like that. But also, when it comes to like listening to a record, and especially with a group that's so prolific, like 
if in 2015 I'm going to the Person Whale band camp... You're like, what am I going to see at the I show? I have no idea yeah, exactly. what is going to happen. But that was also kind of a thing, too, with how we booked shows and we played shows was like, we didn't even really know what yeah. fe- people were going to fucking hear either because like, shit would happen all the time. And then we would form new shit and write new stuff, and it would be like, yeah, we're booked as Personwell, but we'd play shit that never even got recorded under the Personwell name, or if at all. Yeah. So that was... You, you had, like, six different band names for, like, the same, like, different permutations of the same, yeah. like, five or six people. Yeah, exactly. And fucking... It was just easiest to book it under Personwell because... People had heard the name. That was, like, the most knowable name or whatever. But uh, And that's why, at the time, I was like, I can just kind of do whatever. Also, it was, like, my thing at that time. Whereas now, like, Personwell is very much, like, got to at least have Jake Pease. Mm -hmm. If Jake Pease is in there, it's not fucking Personwell. Yeah, Um, I like that. Because Jake was on the very first recording... uh, the song smoke comes out of your mouth and jake has been the drummer for every other thing that had a drummer that i didn't play drums for Mm -hmm. um but then uh, like after i got into fucking listening to a bunch of like animal collective and shit like i like they used to release their shit where it was just like it was like av terran panda bear uh spirit is gone spirit is vanished yeah and stuff like that but then they retroactively put it all under the uh animal collective name and i was like if motherfuckers that are like as big as that can get away with doing something like that and it doesn't fuck anybody up or anything yeah i can get away with doing my like smaller time shit and then just retroactive being like that's a huxley maxwell solo thing or whatever i like that yeah I th- I thought that was smart and I appreciated it because it makes it easier for me to you know like I I think to some degree you like to know what you're about to listen to and I and think I think when you go into like if you see something that says Huxley Maxwell you still don't really know what you're getting into but you have a better idea yeah of like, like it's not gonna be like it's not gonna a be punk gar- band thing it's not gonna be like garage rock songs yeah. or anything um. I just put uh, punk band in air quotes. Punk uh, band. Yeah. Fucking. Because um, what does punk mean anymore? Punk is dumb. <laughs> I'm going to get that tattooed on my toe knuckles sometime soon. I've been planning on doing that for a while across all of my toes. Is that. Uh, from left to oh, right. that is the correct number of letters. Yeah. That's punk, all. And then it just says is on the big on toes. On your big toes. Punk yeah. is dumb. That's really good. I think I think that that would be just be like the funniest fucking tattoo ever because uh, people like knuckle tattoos and shit are like quote unquote punk, yeah, or whatever, or they're uh, like hard, yeah. And then it's like I've got I've got these tattoos on my hand knuckles right now, and they just say um okay uh oh, <laughs> in really little tiny letters, not even on my fingers. I thought those were dots earlier. I didn't even notice they were letters. No, yeah, it says um okay uh oh. Because, like, I appreciate the aesthetic of it. Sure. But I think, I don't know, I think it's just not for me. Yeah. I'm not a hard motherfucker. Right. Like, to a certain degree, maybe, but I'm not, like, gallifanting. <laughs> so earlier we were talking about punk. And then off mic, we were talking about, you use the word subversive, right? Yeah. Subversive music. And I love 
that as a blanket term a lot more. Um, yeah, because, like, I mean, punk is one thing, but I think punk has become entirely convoluted into what people think it means and what it actually means. Like, because a lot of shit that you see that people say is punk isn't actually punk. And it's just, like, what we were talking about earlier with, like, the blues and shit like that. Just people, like, ripping on these conventions. Like, a lot of the times that you see punk bands, they'll just be, like... It's like, well, yeah, you're playing a punk song, but then there's the whole other thing where it's like, I don't know if motherfuckers' values line up with what they're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's, like, punk should be subversive. Yes. Otherwise, like, what's that, what's that fucking punk about it? Because then, like, you hear Green Day on the fucking radio and shit, like they're not that punk they're not doing anything radical they're not doing anything cool they're just they're just writing punk songs because they're a punk band and that shit ain't punk well i will say one cool punk thing that that billy joe armstrong did in the last few years one thing that i know of uh which was did you hear about that hardcore band that did a show at like a denny's or something and then like the denny's tried to like sue them for like or bill them for like thousands of dollars because it got wrecked yeah because you know that you know that video it's like 3 a.m at denny's that video where it's like the hardcore band's like what the fuck's up denny's yeah it was that same denny's right yeah so the denny's tried to like get i think it was seven thousand dollars from them Mm -hmm. and i remember hearing about that shit billy joe armstrong gave them ten thousand dollars really so that not only could they pay back the Denny's, but also that, that like basically funds their next album. Dude, that's sick. I mean, cool. So like all the green day record sucks, but yeah, but like that was really cool. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I have really mixed feelings about green day because I loved them as a kid. I liked the early stuff a lot. I even thought, you know, like I, I even probably think some American idiot holds up. Dude, as, I used to as jam a protest that sh- album. I used to jam that shit all the fucking time in eighth grade. And also, it's a and it's like a solid Some narrative. Yeah, I mean, like Dookie's and, Dookie's good shit. But like, but like, they are they're they're very mainstream, and there's not a lot that's subversive about what they're doing. And it's it's not punk anymore. It's a, it's become a fashion. Yeah, like that when I first. But joined what's interesting Gold about Blooms. that? Yeah, is when um and sorry to cut you off. Oh, but, you're all good. But. You're all good, baby. What kind of what kind of blew my mind was when I realized that like, for a lot of people, the paragon of like or the like, um, the paragon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The the um. The monument of like what defines what punk is for a lot of people is like the Sex Pistols. Sex Pistols, and they and were put together the by germs and shit like that. And yeah. the Sex Pistols were put together by a fashion designer. Yeah, and yeah, and like a lot of the guys from the Clash. I love the Clash. I think they're great, especially like the early stuff. Um, some of the like we were talking earlier off mic. The some of the new wavy stuff is a bit difficult. Some of the like dubby stuff where they're trying to get really really weird is a bit difficult. But like you know, like some of the more new wavy kind of stuff like. It's not necessarily for me, not my taste, but like yeah. I can appreciate it and shit. But I heard that, and this totally makes sense for the time period, that like before the Clash was formed, 
like Joe Strummer and like some of the other guys were really more of like rock and roll players. Like they were, they were like doing, they were doing like, uh, Johnny be good, baby. Well, not, not even (laughs) quite that, but like, uh, not, yeah, not like legit rock and roll. Like what my dad would say is rock and roll. Right. But like what I would say is like hard rock, entirely different classification. Early seventies, hard rock personally between like rock and roll and rock music. Yeah. If it if you can't boogie to it, it's not rock and roll. You would probably actually be very amused with the episode that I did with my dad because we went into that uh, discussion, dude. Yeah, sh- no, fucking. I can we get your dad in here? Can we have an episode where it's just like you, you listening to me and your dad talk? That would probably be really amusing. Uh, uh, fucking, we'll do a bonus episode like that. Bonus episode, yeah. Get me back in here and get a uh, what's your dad's name again? Scott. Scott, yeah. Get Scott in here. Bonus episode <laughs> with Huxley and Scott. Hell yeah. Um, Fucking, there's like some, there's some Personwell shit that is definitely rock and roll music. Totally. Like Burnout Boogie, a lot of the stuff on the first record. And then there's shit on like that last record, uh, Dreams in the Black House. That's not rock and roll music. That's like rock closer getting into like prog rock territory and shit. And like shoegaze a little bit. It kind of gave me like a post punk vibe kind of post-punk too yeah yeah no i could i could see that i never thought about it like that everybody that fucking heard that record that was working with the same engineer as us at that time he would like show them that shit and they'd be like oh man this reminds me of that fucking uh that first um my bloody valentine record oh yeah a little bit which like jake and i were like we don't really hear that but then we found out it's because that motherfucker was listening to that shit all the time and he just mixed it to sound like oh, that okay. fucking and it's like okay i could see that like we funny got lots of like delay and like fucking pedals and like yeah. long uh, extensive sounds and stuff in there so I, I could see it a little bit but well and shoegaze is pretty subversive too like in no a doubt way. no doubt shoegaze is more punk than the fucking uh than green day or the sex pistols yeah for sure and it's like fucking just because something's pretty doesn't mean it's not punk absolutely i don't know and that's why that's why i was saying punk is dumb i think that like one of the most punk rock things that we've ever had in des moines was the future babies yeah and they were they were like an acoustic act yeah playing like twee songs and shit and like that was more punk rock than like fucking than even like gold blooms and shit was at the time like fucking that shit was they were saying some shit you know like that shit was cool like really fucking were. rest in peace uh Rabog, one of the greatest motherfuckers that the des moines punk scene has ever seen absolutely at the time like year or two up until he died he would tell everybody his favorite band in town future babies really that was rob Og's favorite band in town was the future babies because like he he would agree with me that was the most punk rock shit that was out there because everybody else is like everybody else is just doing the the fucking shit like yeah. fucking if you're like playing punk shows it's like oh you're just oi 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 like nye, 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 like fucking like i'm guilty of it too but like fucking everybody's just doing that shit whereas the future babies they're just being fucking genuine yeah true to themselves and there's no nothing more punk rock than that so that's totally true and they were fucking subversive while they did it like nobody sounded like the future babies because i don't think i don't think you anybody couldn't. i don't think anybody was trying to no absolutely but like not, that's but... just how they fucking sounded and this was beautiful about it it's like yeah. 
it's like uh like that band uh the shags uh, a little bit where like everybody says like oh they're not good at their instruments or anything blah 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 it's like well fucking if you listen to this shit and you like pay attention it's like these motherfuckers are saying some shit and they're real about it they're true to themselves and I would rather listen to the Shags or the Future Babies than I listen to the fucking new Green Day record, no doubt. Sure. No doubt. Like, fucking, fuck talent also. Fuck precision. Fuck skill. Just, like, make some make some cool shit. Be honest. Be real with yourself. Make art. Yeah. I also don't know what talent means. Like, I'm, I'm convinced that that's, yeah. like, that's not a real thing. Yeah. No, that's, that's probably the case of fucking... And it, it, it gets to be kind of a barrier sometimes when I talk to people who are, like, uh, more around our age and they want to get into shit now. And I'm like, it's easy. Just fucking do some shit. But then they'll be like, oh, well, but you're so... I mean, yeah, it's easy for you. You're so talented. And I'm like, I don't know what that fucking means. This shit has been a struggle for me the whole time. Right. I'm still upset with everything that I do for, to the, at the end of the day, for the most part. Like, what is talent? Like, no, like, practically every... Work ethic's one thing, but... Like, yeah, every, every good musician that I've ever talked to is like, this isn't easy. You know? No, it's like, you gotta love it. Otherwise, you're not doing it. Because it's, it's hard work. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of people who make it look easy because they practice a lot. But I'm sure I make it look easy because I'm doing shit like all the fucking time. But like, yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, absolutely. I have, I, have, I have a fucking job that I work too, and I'm doing all sorts of other shit. It's like I just do it because I love it. Yeah. If I wasn't doing it, like, I hate being alive a whole lot more. But well, yeah, you don't. You shouldn't. You shouldn't do music because you think it's gonna be cool. Exactly. No. You know that shit I mean, ain't that shit ain't punk. I mean, it it <laughs> is gonna be punk. cool. If you, if you, if it is cool, if if it's cool, it's cool. But also, fuck cool. Yeah. <laughs> wow, we're getting really deep with this. Yeah, man. Um, no, you're, but I, you're like you're like whittling down me down through my talking points where I'm like, oh yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's no, talk about philosophy. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, absolutely. This is what goes through my head like every day. I'm just like sitting thinking about shit like this all the time so yeah no i mean and and i totally agree with you because like yeah i've i've had those thoughts too of like what does talented mean what does cool mean what does you know anything mean and it's like it, eventually it gets exhausting but like for a while it's fun um you know to to like break those things down and be like is that useful to me or not yeah i mean like fucking yes and no like it it gets exhausting trying to break shit down like this in your mind um yes and it's fun but also no to both of those at the same time i don't know i'm just at a point in my brain where like there's it's like neutral territory that's just what's happening already yeah if it's fun cool if it's not fun i'm still doing it yeah and if it's exhausting like i'll try and take a break but like it's gonna come back yeah i don't know my that's just my, the way my brain operates i'm always like no i absolutely feel analyzing you shit you know especially when it comes to like modems and uh spheres of art and music that i'm in and the way that other people treat them 
and the way that people are perceived because of the way that they're in them and the way that it inter- affects like interpersonal relations like at this point that's like other than like big shit like helping out like houseless people and like fucking like mutual aid and mutual aid trying to fight the state all that shit other than that stuff like that like the most important thing my entire life has just been trying to figure out like how do we break down this fucking barrier between people where we get rid of the fucking pretension and we let other mother any any motherfucker in as well but then also you retain a level of like historical importance and everything where like Mm -hmm. shit means something yeah but just because shit means something and you don't know what it means doesn't mean that you're left out right and it's like breaking down the wall for like the motherfuckers that like gatekeep shit yes and a lot of that comes down to like semantics and etymology of words and different stuff like that so my brain's always like I'm not doing anything with the information either, other than like here and there, I like spit it out, but like constantly I'm thinking about that shit. Well, no, but I think it's a good thing to remind yourself that. And I think if it's something that's constantly in your mind, you're going to help other people remember that it's not cool to gatekeep stuff too. Like you're going to have those conversations. Art's for fucking everybody. Right. And there's a lot of shit that I'll probably talk shit on that, like, if you enjoy it, like, that's fucking sick. Yeah. If it if it makes you want to die less. Yeah, absolutely. Who am I to tell you not to enjoy it? Like, yeah. that would be fucked up. You know? Yeah, that would be really also not punk. But um, then there's, there's some shit where it's, like, people will say things and, like, get off on, like, fucking perspectives about shit and be like, oh, no, shit has to be this way. And if you're like this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, fuck off. Like, no, <laughs> no, you just know, you don't, you don't have to be a certain way, but you gotta, you gotta respect what came before you. Yeah. And the, the reason why I think it's important to respect what came b- before you is because then you can tear it down, you know? And that's, you can take what's useful from it. What, what yeah. isn't beaten to death whether you're talking about art or if you're talking about like a philosophical thing or whatever, like you can take something that's useful from it and then like disregard everything else. Yeah. And like take, take the shit that works for you, take the shit that doesn't, but overall, like the shit that does, it doesn't work for you. You got to respect the history of all of that. And then the importance that a lot of that holds in the greater stake of things, but then take what works and, take what doesn't take what doesn't throw it away for yourself take what works and then add your own shit to that and then boom that's what you call subversion yeah a little bit like depending on where you're going with it but like subversion i feel like is kind of a loaded term for a lot of people it's like this esoteric fucking like how'd you get there boo it's like it's not that hard either it's just being yourself yeah and like being your own unique individual you know uh and i'm just sick of motherfuckers that like shut other people down for like being themselves because they respect shit too much or they have no idea what they're talking about you know you gotta find it's like the the dichotomy of the thing you gotta find the balance between the two things and it's just uh how do you get how do you get other people onto that point the biggest thing for me is like trying to figure out like especially with what I was talking about earlier with like people 
who I know that are more around our age and want to get into music but feel like they're late to the game because like, oh, everybody else is so talented. Mm -hmm. Figuring out the best way to communicate to them this whole kind of ideal where it's like, well, as long as you're playing with the right people, fucking you don't have to worry about it. Just like know your shit, know how to play, like fucking figure out what works for you. Whatever it is you want to do, figure out how to do it. And then fucking do it. And if the people that you're with have a problem with that, Find other people. Find new people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's just communicating that in a good way is something that takes up a lot of my mindset because, like, I don't know, I like helping people. Yeah, absolutely. I, I you know, people don't ask me a lot, uh, but, but if somebody asked me what they should do to get into music or what they should do to make an album or whatever, I'd be like, well, figure out what you want to do. Figure it out. And then do it. <laughs> You know, like there's no, there's no barrier. Uh, That's what's, you know, remarkable about the time that we live in is that the only barrier is like, get a microphone, get a fucking, get a recording box and yeah. Or even, or even like if you want to go that route, you know, just record some shit on your phone. Yeah. Straight up. Pop it up on TikTok for all I care. I don't care. Yeah. But uh, it's like, there's another thing too, where like people that do that even, like, we'll sometimes be like, oh, well, that's not the real thing. It's like, but that's, what is the real thing? Yeah. What is, what is music? Like, just because you're not fucking, it's like, I'm not putting out 12-inch records, which is, like, what I'm like, that's, like, that's a fucking album to me or whatever. Yeah. I'm not doing that, but that doesn't make me any less of a musician, you know? Right. Like, I'm just putting shit out on Bandcamp and on cassette tapes or whatever, but if I was just it's like I put shit out on like Instagram or whatever. And it's like, there's, is there anything less valuable about that compared to the other? Th- like, it only depends on what you're looking for. Yeah. It's like, and in terms of music, like, and art, like value is all in the eye of the beholder. So like fucking, it doesn't matter what fucking medium you're putting it out with or like how you're recording it. Like I've recorded stuff with shit that like, a lot of other, like, a majority of motherfuckers that I know would be like, I would never. <laughs> yeah. But I, mean, I like it, and it's it, it's what I think, like, puts across the message that I'm trying to, to, to spew or whatever. So it's like, fucking, you know, just whatever works for you. Yeah. I mean, there was, okay, so that actually was something that I considered asking about was, like, did you do a lot of like four track tape recording stuff because it was what was available to you? Or is that like, is there something about the sound of, of like a little tape that, that like you really, really dig? It was, it was a little bit of both. Cause it started with like, there was a Tascam Porta Studio MK2. I believe that my dad had bought in the eighties mm-hmm. uh, for te- four track uh, cassette box, um, and when I was like probably like eight or ten or something, my first experience of recording by myself was he just like sat me down in front of it, gave me a microphone, and showed me how to record multiple tracks. Oh, cool. So I just had a microphone and I would record one half of a conversation on one track. And then I would go 
over, rewind it, go over to the other track, record the other half of the conversation. Sadly, that tape is long gone in the dust somewhere. Yeah. Maybe my dad has it in his box of cassette tapes. I have no idea. I never, I was like fucking young as shit. I was keeping track of that. But, of course. Uh, it was just what was around there, but then later on in life, like, getting into shit, especially, like, the OCs and Ty Siegel and uh, Black Lips and stuff, like, like a lot of that garage rock stuff, like, a lot of them recorded on machines like that at mm-hmm. a certain point. Uh, so that got me interested. And even to this day, there's a certain, there's a certain kind of, like, weird weird uh adjective to use for it but there's a certain kind of like hazy syrupiness okay to it that i really like there's like it's it, it something about the sound really reflects a mindset and a perspective that i'm really familiar with okay that really uh ties into a lot of my lived experiences that like I can tell that a lot of other motherfuckers that I've heard that use similar kind of recording methods, it seems like there's some kind of shared perspective sensibility or something Uh that comes with it. And there's like a whole like kind of, it's kind of like a subconscious culture or whatever that comes to it. There's like a wavelength or a brain wavelength that, uh, that people are thinking on that like if you're on that wavelength and then you get in that cassette shit you're like yes yeah and you feel right at home and that's what it was for me and that's why i still fuck with the uh four track to this day like fucking i just recorded some goldblooms demos the other day and i did them on the four track and it's got like the high speed and the low speed recording Mm -hmm. higher speeds higher fidelity low speeds lower fidelity Mm -hmm notch that shit down to low all the way to low because i was like this needs to be grainy grimy like i really like the fucking like daniel johnston shit like Uh something about that it just like it hits a different part of your heart and you know i just can't stop fucking listening to savage young taterbug a lot Wow, we got we finally got the Savage Young Taterbug yeah. shout out on here. Yeah, finally, dude. I, I want to die in a sleeping bag with you. Yeah, fucking. That's uh, a weird one, dude. I love his music. Like nothing else quite does it for me, but something about his music really taps into part of my existence that I feel in a like day-to-day sense but don't find much anywhere else and then i hear his shit and i'm like that's it that's it that's what like fucking like uh i don't know just like it's very difficult to explain but the uh the no i can i can see it the dirty hillbilly side of me just and like fucking weird tape shit and fucking noise and doo-wop and uh yeah fucking uh motown buddy holly all that kind of shit yeah whatever the vibe is one time he sold me bunk acid and we listened to some doo-wop i wouldn't expect anything less (laughs) (laughs) fucking i don't know i like i like that guy's shit a lot though and i get a lot of inspiration especially from that record uh shadow of the marlboro man Uh uh-huh the something about that like quiet 
syrupy, fucking, like, tender, broken, uh, dusty, fucking been just like living out of out of a car vibe like yeah. i very much no it, empathize it re- with that shit because like really i've does been have an aesthetic yeah and it's just like it draws back on a lot of like lived experiences that i have too of like it just listening to his shit reminds me of like so is that also kind of your like introduction to making subversive music then like like just just like i mean not 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 tater bug but no that yeah because that's that's a more recent thing past couple years but uh but like i mean being at very a a very young age shown how to do overdubbing on a on a cassette yeah just being shown how to do shit like did did you just kind of immediately start like doing weird shit or no um I did that like fucking one cassette tape with the the conversation with myself and then didn't do anything with the four track for years until like 2012 when I would have been like 15 or 16 whenever mm-hmm. fucking I would have been uh I would have been 16 and that's when I started doing like the person whale stuff um first time i used the four track after that was i think you can go back and on uh the band camp on like the demos and sounds thing on person well i think there's like two tracks sinking feeling and brotherly love mm-hmm. those were like the first times that i came back to the four track to do something like legit with it mm-hmm. um but between that and the other thing like the only thing that i was doing was like fucking picking up and learning the guitar which the way that i did that was there is a like a red cherry red squire bullet strat mm-hmm. that had been given to my dad as a gift that was down in our basement and uh one of my one of my siblings had like a like spider th- spider four line six amp uh-huh. or whatever with all the built-in effects yeah and this, um, this fucking, uh, Squire Bullet Strat only had the low E and the A string on it. So you could literally only play power chords, basically. But and I didn't, bass lines. I didn't even play power chords and I didn't even know how to tune the strings. Uh-huh. And I would just get them to somewhere that sounded nice. I would literally just like feedback. Oh, wow. With, that was, like, my introduction to playing guitar. Like, I had only played ukulele before that. Uh-huh. This was, like, after Vivacious Bean Dip shit. Or, like, even during. But, like, my mom was, like, getting me into White Stripes and shit. And I liked when he feed, fed back with his shit. Uh-huh. I liked Jack White's kind of, like, broken vibe and, like, all the feedback and stuff. So I would just go downstairs and I'd fuck with it and then just, you know, throw in, like tape delay and phaser and like all the different like they yeah, had, like what, the two effects knobs however many of those and effects just, you could dial just in just spinning them around and shit while yeah. like detuning the strings and stuff like totally that was how i learned how to play guitar and i think that still kind of shows in the way that i play guitar these yeah, days to that. a certain degree but yeah other than that is like after that that was when like Gorilla Fist of Industry, uh, that project with Cora and Wesley, 
and fucking this guy named Will Carr, who we went to high school with, who, like, he was never around for much else. We just went to high school with him, and he played, he played drums on these recordings, and we played, like, one show with him. The first show, Luke Baskin filled in for him, and then after that, the band dissolved, and then Gunpowder Fatty became a thing. You have had so many fucking bands. I know, dude. I I've got a list. If you want to, <laughs> that's good. If you want me to rattle them off, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, we'll, we'll put it on on an Instagram post. You like you like send me the list. And, yeah, I'll send you the list. And yeah. I'll and I'll like screenshot it and put it in an Instagram post because I I yeah. don't think it would make good podcasting. To no uh, no, it's it's too long. It's like forty plus band names or whatever. But uh, after Gunpowder Fat, it was like dying down that was when like jake was doing solo stuff under wild rumpus ava started pizza babe um cora started doing uh their old project dirt bones and then i was like all my friends are doing like solo projects so i'm gonna do a solo project so i started doing person well back then as a solo project mm-hmm. uh do you know you know the uh the origin of the the name person well no it's like a uh, Halloween trick or treating joke that okay. like a uh, fucking uh, probably like five six year old told us at one point, um, where like they came up to the door for trick or treating and they were like, we're like, do you have a joke for us? And they're like, yeah, what do you call a whale with legs? <laughs> and we're like, what? And they're like, a person whale. <laughs> and I just thought that that was the most fucking legendary shit that i had ever heard in my life so now it's It's been extremely abstract it's been like fucking nine years later at this point now uh since we formed the thing and that kid's joke is still i i wish i could find that fucking kid and be like you have no idea what you did to my life yeah (laughs) um but uh no i i never ask why where people's band names came from because usually it's not a good story yeah, usually. Yeah. Usually they're like, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I still don't even know why Goldblooms is called Goldblooms, but I don't ask because I feel like that it, would ruin the mystique. Yeah. It's like, I know that it has something to do with Jeff Goldblum, probably, but like... I mean, probably, right? Um, but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, and I was sitting there really thinking hard a lot the last week or two about like, what do you even ask about Goldblooms? Because, like, there's nobody th- really knows much about it these days. Well, because there's so much, there's so many things about Gold Blooms that I love that I don't want to know why it exists because I because That's it fair. would like ruin it. And a lot of those I don't think I even know the answers to. And yeah. I don't I don't even know if Kyler knows the but Kyler more likely. But like, well, I feel like he probably came up with a lot of the bits, you know. But like, but he also like probably. Those are like magicians' tricks. Though. Yeah, exactly. Goldblooms is a is a, a difficult topic at this point. I feel I feel like even for the folks in Goldblooms, but especially anybody that's not in Goldblooms, because I feel like a lot of people probably don't even know that Goldblooms is still a band. That's so weird, and it's like funny because like Goldblooms hasn't played a show since uh, they opened for fucking Arms Aloft. And uh, fucking Modern Life is War at Woolies. Was that like late to 2019? 
Yeah, like late, like November 2019. Okay. Uh, no, maybe it was even. Maybe it was. I can't remember. But it, that was the last thing that Goldblum's did, and there had been nothing before that for a while since I had left the band. Um, and Blush dropped, and then after I left the band, I feel like it kind of just like everything kind of went radio silent on the social media. It pops up here and there, but I don't think anybody uh, like we've been talking. We don't think like the average person would be like, yeah, like Goldblum's working on stuff. <laughs> Even though we have been for like the past two years in shit, like fucking. Uh, well, I think there's something. Oh, there valuable. was there was pay window also. There was that tape that they put out while I was I was out of the game. But I right. think, yeah, I don't know. It's just it wasn't very heavily publicized as I recall. But it but no. it came out during 2020, where it's like always kind of weird in the last year to hype an album. And it's especially kind of weird if you're not like, like it was not as yeah, because that one came out like March 2020, right? Like right before the pandemic, and then like a week or two later, shit hit. Right. That so, was the last the the release show was of that was the last show that I played at the Muse. Uh, Andrew and Javier and I did a pleasant set, and then Goldblum's was scheduled to play, but James was sick. We're assuming now. With COVID, is what we're assuming James was sick with. Because I think I got... Really? Yeah, I think I got COVID from the Muse, and I think Chapo Trap House gave it to me. That's wild. Yeah, because, like, it was around back then, just nobody knew about it. Yeah. But, yeah, ever since then, like, that that set, like, Kyler just, like, played a noise set. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, I heard about that. James was sick, so Kyler just did a noise set. I, I that that rings a, a heavy bell. Headlining no- solo noise set by Kyler. Yeah. Um, but uh, fucking. Yeah, it's been interesting because we're we're like I don't know like, we've got all this shit that we're gonna put out at some point, but we're like, does anybody like? Is anybody gonna be paying attention anymore? Like, does any is it are people gonna be like, what the fuck? <laughs> I think people are, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, right? Like, my interests are very different from a lot of people's, but um, but my impression is that pretty much any show that happens, people are psyched for right now, and and any anything that comes out that's, like, a real thing that's, like, you know, I mean, we were talking earlier about how, like, there's not inherently less value in just putting something out on the internet, yeah. but to be clear like a physical most release people want to have a thing like fucking uh, vonovan's put out that stone together thing there was no show for that or anything but they sold like a bunch of those fucking tapes people were like oh hell yeah i like the vonovan's yeah. even though like fucking the last like fucking a majority of the last 10 fucking vonovan shows that i saw at the muse it's like just me and Kyler in the fucking audience, you know. Uh-huh. But people, it's like it's interesting trying to gauge people's like interest and shit because absolutely, like people, even if they're not going to the shows, I feel like especially with like some of the weirder shit that comes out of Des Moines because there's not like a huge scene, yeah, around it. A lot of the motherfuckers that are interested, from what I've noticed, are like homebodies and shit. And I can vibe because like me right. too, dog. I don't. I don't want to fucking leave the house. Like, yeah, fucking, I got to go to work though. And I got to do other shit. And like, when I was playing shows, I was like, well, I, this, 
I get something out of this. Like, I get that fucking dopamine release or whatever it is. And I, but like, fucking, uh, otherwise, like, fucking, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't really want to fucking do shit. Like, <laughs> right. I just want to, I just want to listen to the weird shit that I like at home, too. So, like, we'll see. Crossing my fingers. Motherfuckers, show out. If we put out some Goldblum shit, yeah. I hope y'all listen. Totally. Because I, I love it. The shit that we've been playing recently, I think it's I think it's uh the at least in the stuff that like I've been personally involved with, uh most interesting shit that we've ever done. It's quieter too, it's almost kinda country. Hmm. But it's like I'm interested to see how you define that in the context of gold blooms. Yeah, you'll but, you'll have to hear it. It's still it's still definitely gold blooms. Yeah. But like Well that's cool. Um the the uh, only shows, to the best of my knowledge, that you've played lately are Justice Fetish shows. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the response been like for that so far? Uh, motherfuckers have been liking Justice Fetish a lot more than I thought they would, which has been interesting for me. Because, like, Justice Fetish, when it first came around, was like a side thought to me. Mm-hmm. Like, Corey posted on Twitter and was like, who wants to start a power violence band? Okay. And then I saw it like five minutes later and I was like, I like power violence because I living out in Olympia, like power violence, grindcore was like, that was the big shit out there. And when I first got out there, I was kind of hating on all of it. And I was like, Uh this this is kind of whack. But then I like developed a genuine appreciation for all that shit. I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And then we got together and uh, then started a band that is like not at all power violence because... Yeah, I remember thinking it was weird when I first heard that record that it had been billed as a power violence band because it didn't sound to me like that at all. No. Aside from maybe like certain parts. Snippets, yeah. There's definitely like a lot of like... There's like some power violence influence in there, but overall we've just recently decided it's like fucking... uh, if we're going to be billed as anything, the only thing that makes sense that's, like, succinct is, like, no wave hardcore. I like that. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. But it's interesting because, like, I was just like, yeah, I fuck with that shit. Like, I, I fucking, I just start random things here and there with all sorts of folks. And if I wasn't doing anything that was, like, heavy since fucking like sinkholes stopped being a thing right the closest thing would be like in person well when i turned on a fuzz pedal or like some yeah, of the louder there was like, songs yeah there's like with both person whale and gold blooms there's like occasionally yeah a doomy thing no longer with gold blooms we haven't had any doom shit in a while but yeah with like in the past there's yeah. been like some doomy shit and but like as of recent Especially for me, like, fucking the only shit that I was doing musically was, like, Goldblooms, which doesn't have very much, like, there's a couple songs that you could say, like, have kind of, like, a punky vibe or whatever that we play here and there that were off of that last record that they put out. Mm -hmm. Um, But then other than that, it's, like, you got Pleasance, and that's just, like, psychedelic sound collage sample pop noise music right and then there's heavy gratitude which is probably the heaviest thing but it's not like fucking drum smashing no and i kind of want to circle back to heavy gratitude because i think it's a really interesting project we'll get get back there in a second Uh, um i love heavy Gratitude, but i also think heavy gratitude's like 
very gentle, actually. Yeah, no, straight up. I mean, there's a reason why we call ourselves sentimental occult noise. It's sentimental. Sentimental occult noise, yeah. yes. Uh, but there was, yeah, and I was doing like Huxley Maxwell solo stuff, the Pleasant stuff, the Goldblum stuff, and that's pretty much been it for me. So were you kind of itching to do something heavy? Yeah, I've been really wanting to do some heavy shit for a long time, especially this past year. But even before that, there's always like that fucking like snarling, just like carnal shit that I like got to get out that oftentimes like doesn't get out into an actual project. And it was just like shit that like is tucked away at the, the the rehearsal space or whatever. But then Corey said that shit, and I was like, yeah, I'm down. And then we got together with me and Corey and Mo for a little while. Did and you bring Mo in? No, Corey brought Mo in. Okay. Because I, I knew Mo vaguely, but Corey knew Mo a lot more uh, than I did. I talked to Mo once or twice, but then they were tight. I think the initial tweet said something like, who wants to start a power violence band with me and Mo? Okay. Which I ended up finding funny later on because Mo has no idea what he's fucking anything about power violence whatsoever. I know Mo likes hardcore, but I but I he's yeah, into he's never, into hardcore, but he's never known of him to listen to like grind or No, he doesn't he doesn't listen to like grind or power violence, but it's like so like me and Kyler and Corey are the motherfuckers that like that shit and like Mo doesn't have a problem with it, but he he hasn't like listened to it nearly as much as the rest of us. What I find interesting about but that, that's, though, I, that works in our favor too. Sure, but what I actually found interesting about that, though, listening to the Justice Fetish record, is that um, the stuff Mo's doing, and I I don't know Mo that well, but we've hung out a few times, but like. To the best of my knowledge, he's not into, like, the Locust or Erebon Radar or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. He's very much he's, hitting on some shit He's like doing that. exactly the right, like, Gabe Serbian type shit. Yeah. Because uh, that's something that I think was, like, innately in him. Yeah. Whether or not he had... Uh, listened to much of that shit before, but I've been, I've been showing him shit like that. I've been showing him, like... Just the other day, we were writing a song, and I was like, "All right, you got to listen to Spiderland by Slit." I'll give him homework okay. every once in a while. I was yeah. like, "Cause like I'll write a guitar part, and fucking, I'll be like, I'll have in my mind a lot of the time when I write a guitar part, I'm like, I know what vibe I want from the drums, but I'm not gonna write his fucking drum parts. Right? Motherfucker writes his own drum parts, but as long like." I think he appreciates when I give him a vibe to go off of, like, Fast Hands. You were talking to me about that song earlier. By by far, well, not by far, but, like, definitely my favorite track on the record. That song, I wrote that riff, and then I was like, all right, Morgan, I'm going to have you listen to Hella. Yes. And I showed him some Hella. Absolutely. And I was like, listen to that, because that's the vibe that I think needs to go with that kind of riff. For me, it reminded me of Erebon Radar with you doing the, you know, and Kyler doing the big slides. The big slides. Yeah, no, Kyler really helped push it into that, like, real dope, no wave vibe that I liked a lot. Yeah. Which the funny thing about Kyler getting into the band was, like, the first time we practiced was, like, fucking, uh, we were loading all of our shit into the Muse, and it was rainy outside. And I, like, looked at everybody, and I was like, oh, shit. 
And they were like, what? And I was like, this just reminds me of Olympia so much because I just realized that it's three vegans fucking loading equipment in in the rain to play heavy music. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like... That's a very Olympia thing. And then uh, later on in that practice, like the next couple practices, we were talking about how we wanted to... uh, like we were like, well, we should just be like a fucking. We should be a militant vegan band because we're all vegans, and we were trying to figure out who's gonna play bass. And like Angelo Rossi had like said that he he had responded to the thing as well. He's like, I'd play bass, and then we had to be like, sorry, Angelo, you can't be in the band. You're not vegan. <laughs> and then later on, I was like, you know, fucking wait, hold up. You know who is vegan? Who likes this shit and plays the bass? Definitely Kyler. Kyler yeah. yeah, so we, we threw Kyler in there, and that's how he got in. But yeah, fucking uh, in terms of that drum shit, uh, Morgan has a really unique style of playing the drums that I haven't seen from many other folks in Des Moines. And I appreciate how I can just throw weird drummers at him like... I've been showing him like hella uh, fucking Slint and fucking uh, U.S. Maple uh-huh. are like the three bands recently that I've been talking to him about. Just like, just kind of like nudge him in a little direction of totally to go along with like my guitar playing. Just here's but, like, some ideas, but like his his shit himself, like he. Uh, he's playing from like a really deep carnal place in himself that like was completely untapped in any other musical project that he had done before. And I had it's, like, no idea. Pretty sick. Mo was such, so, so angry until the last year, uh, dude. And, and he, he's just getting angrier. By yeah. Day. Yeah. Like, um, I love that motherfucker though. No. Yeah. So yeah. such a great dude. Um, I love his anger too. I think his anger is really good. I think it's really righteous and just. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I agree with everything that you guys are about. I just I just don't like yelling except when I'm playing music. That's yeah. that's my only thing. Me neither. <laughs> I don't even really like yelling that much when I am playing music anymore. Yeah, that's why I don't really do vocals. I do vocals on. Yeah, I was gonna ask if like the gang vocals were like legit. All of you guys, yeah, and stuff like that. It was, and we did that for the recording, but we're not doing that. I'm not doing that shit live. Yeah, the only part that I will do live from that first record is on Oli. There's like the vocals at the very end. Um, I do that kind of like power violence bark, like oh yeah, I do that shit. Because I wrote that part because uh, it's kind of an homage to my my uh, friend Cody Huff uh-huh. out in Olympia who was in this band called Big Idiot. Uh-huh. Um, and he would do his vocals like that. And it's like a song about that I wrote about like Olympia punks and shit. I wondered when I saw there was a song called Oli, I wondered if you wrote that or if uh cory also had a connection to olympia cory i don't think cory's ever been there but yeah no i i wrote that song because i was i just figured i'd pay homage mm-hmm. like that's where i like ultimately really got into heavy shit like this plus like there's just so much there that we didn't even tap on in the song that really lends itself mm-hmm. to the kind of ethos of justice fetish but i just painted like the most ab like uh non 
like the most outside in just like abstract picture of Olympia that I could to give the vibe as quick as you can. You know, say as little as you need to, but say as much as you can with it. Sure. I did that kind of thing with it, and uh, it worked out, even though the other motherfuckers haven't been to Olympia except Kyler. I took him out there one time, so right. he, he knows what's up. Kyler's been to, like, grind and power violence shows out in Olympia with me. Uh, but, yeah, no, I just figured I'd do that. And then I did those vocals. Shout out to Cody Huff. Shout out uh, Big Idiot. I wish if I wish they were on Spotify so I could have put them on that inspiration playlist. <laughs> oh, you guys have one of those? Yeah, we 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 did up a thing like that. I can uh, I can send you a link. I'll yeah, I'll, There's good I'll shit look it there. up. I'll look it up. We'll put it in the show notes. Um good and, shit in there. Um was that also you doing that uh I don't remember which song it is, but there's a there's a backing vocal where it kind of sounds like somebody's saying swallow. No, on spit in your mouth. No, yeah. that's also Corey. Okay, Corey just doubled that up. We're trying to figure out who's going to do that live. It might be me. I feel like I've heard Kyler do that kind of vocal before, in I like think, a project or something. Yeah, Kyler might also do that though. I would rather have Kyler do that just because, like, I need to focus on just the, fucking those songs are hard to play. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. They're I can't hard, play very fast at they're all. They're hard so. to write. They're hard to play. Well, actually, they're they're easier to write than they are to play. But sure, it's really just a lot of like, I'm in this weird fucking open tuning that oh, yeah. I like created right before we started the thing. And when we first got together, I had just been like at home a little bit, like messing around with like heavy riffs and like fucking fast noisy shit on this tuning just serendipitously right before i saw that thing so i was like all right well if we're getting together i'm gonna use this thing and we've just ran with that tuning ever since we dropped it a step down oh cool um after we did that record so like after so the next record is gonna be a whole step down a whole step and when if when we play live all of the songs from the uh, last record are gonna be played a step down as well okay so like all the songs from the record when we play them live now they're even fucking heavier hell yeah it's is sick i like it that's great yeah. i i love tuning down oh uh, yeah no absolutely absolutely fucking uh yeah no i've been i've been happy with the the response to it but, uh, kind of bewildered too because as i was saying earlier like it was just kind of a side thought. Like, I'm going to just fuck with some, like, heavy shit here. And now now it's like, this is... Well, and I think Des Moines kind of needed something like this because... That's what a lot of people have been saying to me. We, uh, you know, like, uh, traffic death is cool. Um, and... Shout out Nate. I keep seeing him at the art center. His, his kids, like, taking art classes there. Hell yeah. So I've seen him, like, three times in the past, like, two weeks. Plus, he's out at the practice space that we're at, so I already saw him out there. But now I'm, like, seeing him while I'm at work. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, there just isn't a lot of extreme music in Des Moines right now, aside from the sort of... It seems like there's, you know, there's, like, a... F a couple of every style of extreme music, essentially. Yeah. But but we didn't have what we didn't have was some 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 hardcore with like crazy like no wacko wave. no wave shit. Yeah. Which that's that was probably the biggest thing for me. Is like I had played in all sorts of like 
no wave type things that would play a show or two here or there or just like jam a lot of the time with like friends and shit yeah on like no wave shit and that's like very deeply ingrained and like that's probably my favorite kind of music to just fucking play sure it's just no wave shit because nothing feels as gratifying as just fucking shit up like that for me i don't know what it is i love playing like shit that has like the you know like you got like you can be like yeah that's c to a minor or whatever sure sure like because those songs are good but i don't know something nothing's quite as carnal as that no wave shit and i've been really stoked to have justice fetish to like really just hit that fucking snarling at like upset fucking uh, like fuck everything kind of vibe just like fucking every it's not even fuck everything but everything is fuck yeah not everything is fucked but everything is fuck okay the world is a fuck yeah it's just like everything everything sucks and everything is garbage but like you can make something cool out of it absolutely you know what i mean like yeah and it's not in it's not all inherently negative either because like there's a big there's a big modem of uh empathy that comes with the whole thing too that's a huge tenet behind the whole thing and and i think that's a big thing that i seek out in a lot of like the no wave shit that i like and like a lot of those artists are like they're caring motherfuckers it's not like they're not all fucking gg allen right you know like, right if they were, it wouldn't have done anything, probably. Exactly. Because you can only have G.G. Allen ones. Yeah. Maybe another G.G. Allen come around like the second coming of Jesus, which was his birth name. He was Jesus Christ. Oh, I think God. It was part of his birth name, I believe. I'm not but. getting on a whole tangent about G.G. Allen. I'm drawing the line. Wanna, you don't want to get on... Damn, man. <laughs> uh, People have talked about that guy enough. But uh, yeah, fucking... I'm happy. I'm happy with Justice Fetish. I like where it's going right now. That's great. Uh, I I told you earlier about how I have not been able to see you guys yet, but I'm I'm really excited to do so, and uh, we'll figure something out soon. Yeah, I we've been trying. <laughs> Can't find a good venue yet, though. Yeah, the, there is a little bit of a struggle there right now, um, but especially like trying to keep something outdoors. Yeah. And we're trying to do a show where we want to also have, like, we want to have multiple bands, but we also want to have deathmatch wrestling. I'll clean up the blood and shit. Like, I'm not shy. Okay. He doesn't have to worry. Bring a, bring a whole jug of bleach. You'll be good. So, Justice Fetish, sick. Gold Blooms, working on stuff. Yeah. Pleasance, I feel like, um, like, a year and a half ago, you were talking about you were working on a couple of Pleasance albums. But I I feel like I haven't heard anything yet. Is is this still in yeah. the works? Like it is still in the works. Uh, little LoJ uh, Javier's kid. That's the only thing setting us back right now. Not even setting us back, but putting us on on hiatus, on hold. Yeah, is like Javier's the new dad thing. Is you know he's working full time and he's uh, he's taking care of this baby and gets very little sleep. Um, once LoJ gets to an age, like, or to, like, a physicality yeah. and, like, a sleep schedule that's fucking reasonable, then we have a, we have a whole, like, we have the whole record mapped out. We have all the songs written. 
Okay. Everything's ready to go. All we have to do to record it is record it. Sure. And it would have been done earlier if the pandemic hadn't happened. And we could have done it. As with many things. We couldn't have, we could have done it before then, but we were all busy with other shit and we didn't see the pandemic coming. But like uh, nobody did. Yeah. No, so. but there's a, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a full record written for that, that, um, like if it was, if it was any other shit, like if it was just like some shit that we were like, yeah, no, this band's cool. And we wrote some songs, like it probably would have been thrown away by now, but Andrew and I and Javier will talk about it. Like we're not letting these songs go. This record I think is too good to let go so that will happen at some point but that's on hiatus right now there's like a there's a duo pleasance thing that me and andrew did a recording that it's recorded and it's mixed on a a little digital eight track recorder um at some point we just got to digitize it and fuck like get it on the computer and just release it like yeah we've had it done since the beat we did it at like the beginning of the pandemic right around the time that i was recording a or third gotcha um so yeah pleasance is still a thing not going anywhere just on a long-term hiatus because mm-hmm. of babies yeah and uh widespread pandemic yeah and different shit and like we're all busy with different shit andrew's been working totally. on his solo record and Javier has done some solo records. I'm doing my solo record. All the for those shows. unaware, uh, and Andrew's project is called Zaptura, and the last record was very cool. And uh, and then the next one is even fucking probably going to be way cooler. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's so, it's it's just, fucking dope. Wanted to make sure we put the plug for Zaptura in there. Also, put in the plug for Goat Foam, Javier's solo project. Goat Foam, very Everything cool. Goat Foam, um, and Crooked Taurus. While we're talking, Javier, yeah. if you don't no, know. No. Now you know. If you don't know, now you know. Check it out. It's a, it's all incredible shit. Um, but, I mean, man, we've been talking for a solid couple of hours cumul- cumulatively. Do you, right bef- if you're trying to cut cut it, you wanted to say something about heavy gratitude. Well, We can hit that and then Actually, cut it. one of the... The main thing I wanted was for you to say sentimental occult noise and oh, well then I, and, you got uh, it and uh and basically just just like talk about that sort of aesthetic a little bit but like i think honestly there's people should just see it next time it's a thing just keep a lookout for heavy gratitude because it really Straight is a, i mean you just got to experience it for yourself and um and i guess like you you describe it pretty well in the bird room interview as well um just like the process of like oh, yeah. what you hit guys up, do hit up that other podcast yeah yeah <laughs> jordan malin in the bird room uh they they did one like a year and a half ago or so and uh, and there's some really good discussion of, of uh, mental health and psychedelics and oh, yeah. heavy gratitude is is definitely in there because it was it was pretty uh, I feel like it was pretty freshly like active at that time. Oh yeah, and, for sure. And we haven't really done much recently, but uh, heavy gratitude will be back. Uh, Chelsea just got the most incredible fucking noise making device, like Ooh. analog noise making device. Mm-hmm. Um, you got it. You got to see it. You got to see it. We haven't played together with it, but heavy gratitude. So, you know, fucking, it's gonna be. It's gonna be heavy. It's gonna be sentimental. It's gonna be tender. It's gonna be dark. It's gonna be occultish. <laughs> you got to. You got to check it out. I mean, like, fucking. We don't. I don't think we have anything online or anything. We might release tapes at some point, but 
You just got to see it. It's a live experience. Literally just sit on the floor someplace and listen to these guys. It's really great. Yeah, come sit down with us. Um, and with that, I wanted to ask you if there's anything you would like to leave the people with. Any Just, oh. just a, a, a feeling, a thought, anything you want to say. Well, I just want all the people to know that uh, uh, when you think about art and when you think about music and people try and hold ideals about one piece of art or like an album or a record or anything over something else just remember that all of it is brain garbage and it's just shit that people had in their brains that they needed to get out into the world because it was too difficult for themselves to deal with and like any garbage eventually the inevitable heat death of the universe is going to destroy it along with the rest of us so it doesn't matter Enjoy what you like. Nothing has value. Everything has value. And that's it. I absolutely love it. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) And have a good night.